Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. I am here with a fire sign. I am delighted to tell you all. <laughs> she is a sun in Aries, a moon in Cancer. So we have two rulerships working together, um, albeit squaring each other, and a rising in Sagittarius. You may know her as an author and the founder of The Numinous. Her name is Ruby Warrington. And I am just so thrilled to be connected. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here because I just know I, I speak a lot about the language of astrology and I love when I can sit down with someone else who speaks the language and yes. have a, like and get into it, you know? Yeah, I love it. So I'm really excited. <laughs> so uh, what's interesting and one of the reasons I really love doing this podcast is some episodes are, you know, I'll just basically know my guest's sun sign and I'll just introduce it at the beginning and that's the extent of the astrology. And then other episodes are like deep cut astrology shit. Um, and I think w with this conversation, or at least some of the questions that I have for you are even transcend astrology because it's also about business in astrology and astrology as like a uh, astrology in the moment as a trend. Mm. Um, I know that you have been th that the numinous is not a, a new project for you, um, that it's been something that you've had been building for a really long time. So I would love to just hear your story, your genesis, either of um, your work as an author or your work founding The Numinous or just how you got to be exactly where you are right now with, mm. with the microphone. Mm. And your headphones. Okay. <laughs> well, I just walked 7,000 steps to get here from Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, but yeah, so The Numinous um, was an idea that I had back in around 2011. I think early 2011, I was really fascinated with astrology and I was working in fashion magazines in the UK at the time. And everyone was into like Susan Miller's Astrology Zone. But everyone would also do a massive eye roll. If anything deeper about astrology was mentioned, it still was super woo-woo, particularly in the circles that I was moving in. And I think kind of in general, like way back in 2011, right? Um, and I was going through a period of transition, just really questioning what was the meaning of my life and what was the meaning of my work and what did I really want to imprint on the world. And um, I was, it was during this, this period of questioning that I kind of asked myself a question, well, what's something I could just like, I was kind of bored in my job, like even though it was my dream job. And I kind of was asking myself, what could I talk about and research and think about and just never get bored of? And at the time, astrology was the first thing that came into my mind. And I was really surprised because I was like, oh, that's kind of uncool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a different <laughs> landscape then. Totally different. It really, really was. But I introduced myself to the resident astrologer at the magazine where I was working, Shelley von Strunkel, and asked her if she would mentor me. And she sort of took me under her wing and introduced me really to a whole world of different mystical topics that she was very well versed in. She's you know, she must have been in her late 60s at the time and had traveled the world and sat with all sorts of different gurus and studied lots of different mystical traditions. And it was like someone opened the doorway to Narnia. And I was just like, aha, this is what has been missing from my life. And she was the first person to use the term numinous in conversation with me. And she described that word as meaning that which is unknown or unknowable. And it just gave me chills. And I was like, I have chills just now. I almost immediately saw the word on the cover of a magazine right away. And I was like, the, why isn't astrology cool? It's so cool. Why isn't astrology cool? What about if I create a platform that presents astrology in a way aesthetically and linguistically that appeals to a much broader 
kind of audience, you know? Um, so that was the idea for the Numinous. And it took me about a year to actually start working on it. I was, yeah, going through a, a really big transition. And during that year, my husband got a job in New York. And so I kind of was forced to quit my job and had this very high profile career in the UK and sort of leave that behind. We moved to New York and that's when I started work on the Numinous properly. It was in 2012. So 2012, you're in New York. What does it mean to be working on the Numinous? It was so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you even like, I think it's crazy even in the eight years, right, to think how much hashtag wellness has changed and evolved since then. It was still very much green juice and Lululemon at the time. And people were starting to get interested in meditation. But anything more mystical or spiritual than that was still pretty fringe. But there was so many pockets where it was really starting to bubble. You're from New York. Were you in New York around 2012? Well, I or had you gone to LA. Then? I moved to LA in 2013. And I started my astrology business at that time. Right. So I think it was a, it was happening in LA simultaneously. Yeah. And there was just this real scene. It was very, it, it, there was, I, my intuition, I guess, had been right. There was a demand or a desire for astrology presented or other mystical topics presented in a way that was relevant, cool, modern, accessible, fun, you know, beautiful. And so I, it, it felt like perfect timing, really, There, I created the numinous as a platform to talk about and write about all these workshops and teachers and healers that were just sort of bubbling up. Um, and it was a really exciting time. Yeah, it was really fantastic. And, and hand in hand with that, my own astrological studies just continued to deepen. And I mean, that was the seed of it all along. I wanted to learn the language of astrology. I wanted to know the practice. And so the whole platform was generated from that place, really, like my own wanting to learn and understand and get deeper with it. How did you find that it started to grow? And, or when, was, when did you notice that the concept that you had was actually starting to materialize into something that people were very much connecting with? Um, I got a, an email from an editor at HarperCollins around like fall 2014 saying that she'd come across the platform. She really loved my voice. Would I be interested in doing a book? And that was a real kind of like, oh, people are reading this. Like, this is, this is something, you know? So I think that was a bit of a turning point, I guess. Um, that book was Material Girl, Mystical World. That was my first book. It came out, didn't come out until the summer of 2017. Um, but yeah, that, and I, don't, I guess throughout the whole, like Instagram was just sort of taking off and it was just, it was an exciting time to be a creator because it really felt like there were these tools where you could quickly and at relatively low cost create something really exciting and beautiful and, and send it quite mainstream. Um, I now have very different views on Instagram and the whole kind of like culture around social media because it feels very different now. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a really exciting time. And, but I think m almost equally exciting in, in terms of what it was doing for my career externally was the inner shifts that were happening for me. I was learning so much about myself through the practice of astrology, through learning more about tarot, through attending shamanic healing workshops and gong baths and you know, just meeting all these interesting practitioners and applying it to my own life. And that's very much the, the subject matter of my first book. It's kind of an introduction to all of these different subjects, but through the lens of my own personal experience and transformations. So much of uh, the work that you were doing, I guess, I, I have no concept of time anymore. I just, I don't <laughs> I know. know if it's because 
we're in Pisces season still, which feels like a forever eternity or a drop in the hat. I, I have no idea if my years are completely skewed, but mm. I Netflix just released Goop Labs. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it seems like so much of what you were creating in this platform was what Goop Labs is today in, I guess, 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that language, I would imagine, is is the language that you sort of established and created. Um, and it evolved. I, I don't want to rush the story too much. Um, so I wanted to sort of, you know, as obviously there's a lot of years and experiences and time. and uh, But then we get to last year, which is when you made a very declarative statement on social media, which... Um, you know, I, I think everybody in the mystical space saw, <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but it was like very circulated. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> it was, at least for me, but maybe it was because it was so, it, it captured so much of what I have been feeling too. And I don't really know what to do about. And that's mm. like present tense. Mm. Um. So I I am gonna stop like foreshadowing this. So you could so you could share with what you made the decision to do last year. Yeah. So last year I reached a point of extreme burnout, and when I said my so for me extreme burnout was like literally feeling like sending an email was just so much effort. Responding to a conversation, just wanting to isolate completely. I mean, like I just had zero energy, and that manifested for a Sagittarius rising with Pluto going through my first house followed by Saturn as just completely like, I don't have any words. I, I just can't, I just, there's nothing else to express. I've said everything I've got to say is kind of how it felt like I'm completely spent when it comes to words. And I think so much of that was, I mean, there's my own like type A Ariesness squaring my Cancer moon <laughs> <laughs> slash Saturn and Mars as well. Um, which was just, you know, I did three books because I had my second book, Sober Curious, came out at the very end, last day of 2018. And then the Numinous Astro Deck came out summer 2019. And like doing three books, I mean, I love to write. I love to create. I don't love to promote. And every time I've taken on another project, I forget the level of promotion that's necessary behind that, which is just so much constant churn of like content 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 to try and capture people's attention to try and get people interested and it just felt so um exploitative on so many levels in a way I'm so grateful to have been able to put these books out and to have the platform to do it and at the same time the cost of that has felt really it's again it's really hard to reconcile so yeah because I think many creators I'm sure yourself included many people listening it's like I feel like we're in this catch-22 where you have to be on social media. You have to, and then in order to have a presence on social media, you have to be constantly engaged with it. That doesn't leave any time for your actual creativity or for replenishing your reserves of like just inspiration and life. Yes. (laughs) So I kind of got to that point with it all. And I, you know, at the time I was also um, running something called Moon Club with Alexandra Roxo, which is like a monthly kind of membership. Um, Because in the backdrop, none of it was making me any money. Like I wasn't earning any money from the Numinous. In fact, it was costing me money because I was paying contributors. It cost a lot of money to send my newsletter every month. And it just, you know, I'd invested in design for the website. So anything I was earning from 
book advances or pieces of journalism or whatever it was, retreats I was leading was going straight back into this platform that was ultimately just depleting me. Mm. So it was a really painful and challenging time. Pluto was squaring my moon for this whole process, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, squaring, opposing my yeah. moon, Saturn rather. Um, and yeah, I just had to, I had to stop. And so I made a decision last summer, as painful as it was, to just take a big step back from the numinous um, and just sort of like let it be and just really, I mean, last year, 2019, and I think a lot, it was the same for a lot of people, just felt like such a year of shedding. It was like, I just have to put everything down and get still and get quiet and get my energy back and then go from there. Like with what do I want to pick up, pick back up again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I'm kind of still in that process with the numinous, like it's still, I'm still sending a few newsletters out. I'm still updating the Instagram occasionally, but I'm really resisting the urge because I have that, like, there's that, gotta, gotta keep this going. I'm really trying to resist that and just let it be and trust that whatever following or whatever falls away is fine. And that when it's time, it will find its feet again in whatever form that might be. And it's a really um, strange liminal space to be. Because in the meantime, Sober Curious, which is kind of the other thing I've done, has taken off and like sparked this global movement. <laughs> the people reevaluating their relationships to alcohol, which is amazing. And again, that's something that came from such a personal place. So it's been amazing to watch that and sort of be the custodian in a way of that as well, um, whilst also still trying to make a living in the midst of it all. <laughs> Can we, can we talk about Sober Curious as <laughs> yes, well? Yes, of course. So, so can you tell us a little bit about um, how that came to be? Yeah, so Sober Curious um, was a term that I came up with around 2015 to describe my own evolving relationship to alcohol. I'd always been quite a sort of moderate to heavy social drinker in the UK. And then that continued when I moved here throughout my 20s and 30s. I yeah, as as it is for many of us, like alcohol was just part and parcel of my social life, my career, my family life, my relationships, like it was just kind of everywhere. And I never really questioned it again, like most of us don't because we're not ever led to question our drinking until it becomes very problematic. Especially I, for women. Yeah, exactly. We're just not, well, I mean, alcohol is what makes us cool, sexy, yeah, makes a cool I, girl. It makes us like... There is this article that I read, I believe... I believe it was in the Atlantic, but it was just one of the, I, I, it was a smart person paper. I forget which one it was, but <laughs> it was something that makes me look cool. But it was basically talking about the fact that women don't have that same breaking point that men do with alcohol often. So, um, you know, men will crash their car or flip over a table or beat someone up at a bar or like do something that shows rock bottom Mm. and then sobriety is a reaction to hitting that deep low whereas women who need to sort of maintain stability um and sort of a status quo often you know their drinking does not ever bottom out like that it just accumulates you know it just becomes this cumulative process that never has a big cathartic like I have a real problem because I just did something crazy um because that's just women aren't allowed to behave like that yeah that's so Um, interesting so women have uh, you know and obviously women's bodies metabolize alcohol so differently than men's do and we just know that because it's just biology Mm. um but 
it's women don't often realize how uh, how much of a problem they have because they are just not really allowed to see it. That's so interesting. And it makes me think about yin and yang, right? Like in AA, and I have many male male friends who are in AA, they talk about acting out. And that's kind of like that behavior is very externalized. Problematic behavior is very externalized. Whereas I think for a lot of women, it becomes internalized. And it becomes a lot of negative inner self-talk. It becomes a lot of anxiety. It becomes a lot of self-harm. I think eating disorders are very much linked to alcohol abuse. So yeah, really, really good point. Um, That was definitely the case with me. Like alcohol wasn't I wasn't drinking every day. I wasn't like hurting myself. I wasn't messing up in my job or in my relate. Like everything externally was fine. Internally, I was just kind of an anxious mess. <laughs> um, and so I, I began getting what I then called sober curious, which was really to bring a very questioning mind to every any and every drinking occasion really questioning like why am I using this substance this is an appropriate substance how what's the real impact of it going to be beyond a hangover tomorrow like how am I going to feel in a week's time like what would happen if I didn't drink and just there are so many questions which are all kind of laid out in the book but through using that process of being curious about my drinking I now sort of I guess almost 10 years since the very initial questioning began I complete. I, I don't drink. I don't. I'm not sober. I'm not in a program. But I don't drink. I never think about alcohol. It's just no longer part of my life, and it that feels very sustainable. Like I just feel like I've completely gotten it out of my hair, as they say. Um. So yeah, that 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 book came about in a way as a result of the numinous too, though, because it was there was this double pronged thing happened when I moved to New York. Number one, I started as I described, kind of socializing in this sort of mystical emotional wellness space where alcohol just wasn't part of the gatherings that I was attending I mean I was going to seances and like gong baths and stuff there wasn't alcohol and I was meeting a lot of people who were very very invested in raising their consciousness and alcohol is a depressant it like it brings us down it doesn't lift us up right it closes us down it closes our sensory capabilities down and I was interacting with a lot of people who really wanted to open up as much as possible and so I was making lots of other friends, like new friendships with people who just didn't drink. But then on the on the kind of underbelly of that, I was also doing all this healing work on myself in the name of research and actually getting into some of the deeper wounds that I didn't even realize I was medicating. I didn't even really know they were there because I'd so they were so calcified, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the last chapter of my first book is called Lost and Found at Burning Man. <laughs> And I guess looking back, like my Burning Man experience in 2014 was probably a bit of a rock bottom. If anything, it was just like I just got wasted all week and it was horrible. And um, it was a a turning point for me in a way. And so, yeah, the second book kind of came out of that because it was around that time, 2015, 2016. I started blogging about it and then I started hosting events around Sober Curious. And then now here we are. (laughs) Do you feel like... um how do I put this like do you feel like those two these two projects are interconnected do you feel like they run parallel do you feel like they sort of are moving in opposite directions now how do you well it's strange because they're both so personal for me they neither could exist without the other they're so interconnected but I appreciate that in terms of the audience for them there is some disconnect there like not every someone unsubscribed from my newsletter last week going hey, you know, we don't all have a problem with alcohol. Some of us find it really fun. And I was like, 
fair point because I put the so you know I have a sober curious podcast and I put that on the numinous newsletter it's like okay yeah fair enough and then I also know that equally some people who are following the sober curious message are like what's all that woo-woo shit you're into you know so I'm this is part of my crossroads I'm like I have these two babies it's so funny <laughs> one, one book is bright pink and one's bright blue but I have these two babies <laughs> and it's like how do I tend to them both how can I and that's kind of where I'm at and wondering if if the numinous platform can be a place that can accommodate both those things or if it needs to evolve to be something different so I'm yeah I'm 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 working on that and it's kind of a watch this space I think mm-hmm. this year by the end of this year by the end of this summer I'm hoping to have some of that evolution has having occurred but yeah and the other thing is like I have so many other subjects I'm interested in and now publishers and, and people just want me to keep talking about sober curious and I'm kind of like I've I've said what I have to say there. We're good there. I've got other things I want to write about now, you know. So it's yeah. Yeah, I mean that's also that's part of the the problem as well. Is like by the time everybody's paying attention, you're like I've just been talking about that for so fucking long. Like we <laughs> I'm like there's something else I want to say now. Exactly. It's like, you know, I I have another book idea. I'm not going to share it here because it's still being it's still not quite cooked, but I was speaking to my agent. I was like do I have to start a podcast on that now? Do I have to start a social media account for that now? It's like, or can I just, I don't know. So yeah, I'm working it out. Yeah, But it's, it's tough. I mean, I think the other thing about social media, which I don't like about it, is that it thrives and operates on pigeonholing us in a certain way. It's like the more concentrated our message comes, the more we can say the same thing again and again and again and again, the bigger we'll get a following in that niche. But that's so limiting if you're a creative, I think. Yeah. I. Something that really like um, blows my mind is um, I listen like <laughs> I really listen when people talk um, almost compulsively, and I I think that's what makes me a good astrologer. I think that's actually like maybe ninety percent of why I'm a good astrologer is because I listen to people. But I also that means that I know when people repeat themselves, um, and I know when somebody tells me the same story over and over again. It's why I really can't stand watching the debates because it's like it's just regurgitation it's just parroting and I don't like when I when someone says the same thing over and over because I just I'm like I heard that you said it you know you make another point but um I I've something I've come to recently starting to reconcile because then this as a creator and I'm working with astrology and there definitely are only you know there's Mm. 12 signs and there's 10 major planets and there's 12 houses and there's a lot of like you know monotonous things uh that it could could become very monotonous and I am always trying I never want to have the same workshop twice I never want to repeat myself I always want a new interpretation of something and I feel like in a way if I just started repeating myself more (laughs) that would actually like solve a lot of the problems because people want repetition People don't want me to always have a completely new take on what these energies are doing. People like, you know, if you go to a concert, you don't want the band to play their fucking new album. You want them to play the old hits. So people like to hear and to the same things over and over. But as a creative person who also then separately from just being a creative person, but just as a person, I hate when people repeat themselves. It's like it feels almost like. It, it goes against who I am to mm-hmm. just 
to just be limited to like catchphrases or something you know yes that's so well put and it really echoes so much of how I feel you know it's just like there's so much of the world to explore and to comment on and to have opinions on but yeah people particularly in times of discomfort and change as as we're going through people really want comfort and familiarity that reminds me about you know in the 80s and 90s it was all about the big brands and there was a lot of talk around the time that I was first creating the numinous about people creating personal brands and that was kind of really cool you can be your own brand now well what is a brand but like I was thinking about on the way here I'm wearing Levi's shorts and a Levi's jacket and like Levi's have been doing Levi's since like the 50s you know Mm -hmm. earlier and so yeah I don't know if I want to be a brand I don't think I'm comfortable being a brand and so I'm trying to work out how to make a living and be creative without having to be a brand and maybe it's a question of just farm like hiring more people that's the other thing I've been a one-woman band this whole time as well like maybe I just need to find some people to kind of come on and and I don't know do that yeah I I think that um I think I I love the word curious um and I love the notion of being curious about anything I love critical thinking critical thinking is my maybe if I'm going to be repeating myself in any in any way it would be about emphasizing over and over again how important it is to be a critical thinker especially in times like this but you know I have been thinking a lot about brands and I um don't uh like do whatever it's called I don't do sponsored content and I feel very strongly about that you know I feel like not only is you know does it feel weird to want to be a billboard for a brand but you know there's so many ethical conundrums of like do you know like who like why are you just reducing yourself and to just I don't know like just creating a to looking like Times Square you know Mm -hmm. like as a social media platform but then those are the influencers and those are the people who have hundreds of thousands of followers and then they're revered in culture but ultimately they're just billboards for brands and why do we revere billboards for brands and I think it's because we live in such that's what validates us is brands you know to Mm -hmm. identify and to associate with a brand makes us feel cool you know to be a Levi person as opposed to a Lululemon person as opposed to a I don't know mm. I'm out of brands already coach person <laughs> I don't know like why are you know w- what do these companies say about us as individuals and how does one navigate that be- if they don't want if that's not what they really care about yeah. like I don't really care about brands I mean it's not to say that I don't acknowledge them I see that they're there I make brand choices all the time all day long but I'm not that's not what like I don't need my validation to be through a brand um, but at the same time I also want to be successful and I want to be able to not just make money but thrive you know mm-hmm. and how do you, does one reconcile that when social media is literally just for advertising mm, now exactly it, it, I, I don't have an answer it's a- nor do I and I think maybe many of us are in like I said this liminal space where we're dissatisfied and I think out of that kind of like restless discontent new platforms will be born it's one reason I love podcasting so much because I feel like it's such a great place to 
be creative have a voice without it being all about like how it looks and all about the heavy promo of course it's great to get podcast advertising if you can but it's so much more about the content than it is about the branding you know Mm -hmm. but yeah I yeah it's something I think about all the time it's very interesting while I was trying to make the numinous into a you know viable business I was actively seeking branded brand sponsorship it just never happened and I think in a way (laughs) the project kind of repelled it because it was like no this is numinous this is too weird it just like so what kind of brand (laughs) sponsorship were what is something that you would have tried at that at a certain time or like a company that you felt like would have been aligned with it um, I remember for a while I was trying to align with free people because I knew they were doing retreats. I felt like it was probably my kind of audience. But actually, again, there comes the ethics thing. Like, where do free people make their clothes? Do I really know? Are enough? they really free? Are they really free? <laughs> do I really know enough about this brand for it to? And I think that's in a way there was a seed of that doubt in my mind, even when I was pursuing these partnerships that was that was translating as them not coming through, you know. I did do I did do some small sponsorships with like some small kind of, um, you know, very homegrown, largely ethical sort of fashion and beauty companies, which felt good. But they, it was, you know, small, small change. Definitely not going to pay my rent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, suffice it to say, I uh, also brands, if you're listening, like pay me. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it's like the emphasis is on the thoughtfulness of it. You know, like it's true. Being- but then it's things like. You know, I love listening to the TED Conversations podcast. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I just, something sparked. And it's sponsored by Lexus. Now I'm giving Lexus a plug on your podcast. Sorry about that. (laughs) And they're not even paying me. (laughs) But anyway, a lot of them are about climate change and really revolutionary thinkers in terms of economics. And I'm like, and you're sponsored by Lexus. Like there's just a disconnect. There just is, you know? Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah, it's, you know, and I guess then sort of... um, creating even more of a micro space for it then there's astrology you know and Mm. um something that I I feel like I'm sort of uh I keep catching myself as in doing the same thing that I accused others of doing which is repeating myself and I know I have shared this on this podcast before because I listen to also myself but in this 2020 era there's fake astrology accounts that are set up to like I don't know if it's like Cambridge Analytica or if it's like Russia shit. I I don't know what it is, but there's fake political astrology accounts that I have found. So that's just a fact. Like it it just it is what it is. And obviously astrology memes are how most people, most Gen Z are accessing astrology now. And I make I love making memes. I think it's made me funnier and smarter and uh, I enjoy like the witticisms of it and I've talked to almost all of the main meme creators on this podcast and they're all very lovely and thoughtful people but the way that uh, advertisers or brands or companies see that content is 500,000 people are following this account so this is just these are just eyeballs you know Mm. and then the astrology even if the pe- the people behind it have are like, I just think that it's cool and fun and it's funny. Um, it's still being sort of exploited and bastardized by the people who are like, I want to get my product in front of 
500,000 eyeballs. So Engaged I guess a million, million eyeballs. Um, yes. Yeah. A million eyeballs. Exactly. If you yes. them there are two. two. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like. There's a really great book um, by Jaron Lanier. It's called 10 Reasons for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. And he goes really deeply into the whole business model that fuels social media and how problematic that is um, in terms of the attention economy and how it's actually changing our brains and behaviors towards each other, towards the way we relate to one another. But I'm glad you mentioned memes. I was a bit mean about memes in my in my kind of like rant about the numinous because it just it became a shorthand for me in terms of the kind of cheap throwaway nature of so much of the astrology content that I was seeing and it felt like there was so much astrology content being put out there just to get eyeballs on it but I love a good astrology meme I do <laughs> yeah I I do too I mean who doesn't they're yeah they're, there's a they reason be, they're so popular yeah they can be really funny and mm-hmm. they're uh they could be they're very poignant you know then that's one of the reasons astrology is so amazing is because mm. it is so pointed and exactly poignant and it, exactly it's home and it's it's a language of symbols and memes are symbols in right. a way right. you know yeah yes and they're meant to be shared and mm-hmm. astrology is a community experience as much mm-hmm. as it's an internal one it makes sense i mean i would like to think that the work that we did back in 2013 my former business partner and i really s- established i mean we created a lot of the templates of memes that are now being used Mm. but that was also you know my first foray into astrology and into creating a business from it and just knowing how different the time was and um the way that people are interacting with not just astrology but social media and language and content and content creation and every it's just so exhausting it's It's so much and I think that that you know the the sense of burnout I was describing it was it felt like it was so connected to this information overload that was streamed via social media and digital news sites etc etc and astrology had sort of got sucked into that vortex for me and it felt really sad to me because I had found so much um, healing and self-awareness and self-knowledge and depth in my practice of astrology and it just felt really sad you created a monster we <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I sometimes I do feel you know I, I feel that sometimes I do 100 percent 100 percent um and it, then I and then I pull back and I'm think and I think to myself if if this can touch one if this is touching people on any level that it's asking them to do some deeper self-inquiry or understand themselves better, then that's a good thing. That's got to be a good thing. Yes. You know? And something that I've also feel very strongly about is uh, astrology is a non-judgmental language. If you use it to judge people, you're just a judgmental person who right. uses a language to judge people. <laughs> you know, like yes. there's nothing intrinsically like uh, categorical about astrology. You Absolutely. know, we don't like criticize people for their for being a cancer moon or a gemini Mm -hmm. moon or gemini sun Mm -hmm. you know that that does that's not that's not the way that astrology should be used if Mm -hmm. someone chooses to use it like that it's they would use anything like that yeah right exactly um (laughs) but i i feel like i need to reinvent i'm in the process of sort of re aligning I guess, with astrology and my relationship with it, because I'm also growing up Mm. and astrology, what astrology meant to me when I was 23 is not how astrology feels to me now as I'm 30. And I know it's not going to feel the same as I am 35 and 40 and 
continue hopefully to for a long life you know i but astrology is is so deeply embedded in my i love it so much i love it like it's i it protects me you know mm. like i feel mm-hmm. truly safe within astrology but i don't necessarily feel safe within uh astrology becoming so m- commoditized and mm. commodified commodified mm. i don't feel safe with that you know mm. i don't feel like that in and of itself is going to last and i don't feel like that is going that's not why i love astrology yeah i love astrology because of its of the depth of it and the compassion and the just the complexities mm, um, and the mysticism of it yes yeah. exactly but this moment in time that astrology like that every single going back to brands in the world is trying to create 12 different variations of their products to match the 12 zodiac signs like I, that's not why I like astrology you know no, I do know exactly what you mean so what are we gonna do I don't know I mean for me in the book that I'm writing right now I'm trying to basically write an astrology book without astrology oh no nice. so I'm trying to find new ways of use of talking about astrology mm. and working with the material that sort of transcend it mm. um while still really honoring it and it's i have to give myself puzzles you know constantly when i'm on social media when i'm working with clients in every area of my life because i don't want to burn out mm. and not just burn out like i am exhausted i mean i'm an adrenaline junkie i'm a workaholic and i have to address that and that's but that's separate than this other burnout i'm talking about mm. burnout of like losing interest in astrology Mm. and like that is scarier to me than me having adrenal fatigue (laughs) because I know I have that I definitely got to a very similar place with it and in fact it's been really great to have this kind of mainly break from the numinous and I because I've really felt my myself coming back to astrology as my own practice that's something that's just for me and that feels so valuable like the other day I did this thing where I got my period tracker and I and I can't believe I'd never done this before. I noticed what sign the moon was in every time I had got my period. I love <laughs> like that. for the past 12 months. I love geeking out on that shit. And no one else needs to, I don't need to teach That's that personal. to anyone. Yeah. That's a personal practice. And it brought me a lot of insight into my body and my cycles. And it was really, really interesting. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, that said, I'm, I'm hosting a kind of an astrology and tarot retreat at Kripalu in July. And I do love being in rooms with people speaking the language, like in real life, in real time, in groups. I find that to be really satisfying and fun because I can just see the light bulbs coming on for people. And that's amazing. Yeah, I feel the same way. And when I'm I have this community called the Constellation Club, if you are interested in any of these things and you are not a member of the constellation club yet you have got to join (laughs) (laughs) you'll you'll find the links everywhere uh, that you can find them but it's an online community of you know obviously self-selected of people who just want to uh, continue to have these conversations but without the noise Mm -hmm. you know in like Mm -hmm. a chat room based environment that just allows for discovery and learning and sharing and compassion and Ultimately, you know, the the things that I care about are, you know, people being nice to each other yeah, <laughs> and right. like being and creating and like listening and yeah. and holding space and being gentle. Mm-hmm. And like those are at basically just at the end of the day, what it all comes down to. Mm. And then everything else, you know, if you can 
if we can have an abundant space where people are thriving professionally and financially and emotionally and you know all of those things I believe can be born from love and like as cheesy as that sounds but I guess in today's time we need reminders of oh, that we you do. know big time we need so much compassion and kindness we need to like layer it on thick as layer an it antidote thick. yeah seriously to all of the all of the hate that's in the world basically yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's definitely not lost on me. The fact that this movement is, uh, is really picking up steam in reaction to the political climate, um, not just here in the United States, but just mm. in the world at large. Mm. You know, I, I was, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw these posters that were published by the Australian government. Um, that were anti-immigration posters directed towards um, Sri Lankan individuals, and they used horoscopes as the way that they were, as this propaganda posters of like, it, it, like Aries, don't come in because we don't want you here for X, Y, and Z reason. Oh and it made God. me, I could cry just actually thinking about it. Like that is the antithesis <laughs> like literally that is just like that's using a language that is supposed to be for openness and acceptance acceptance yeah for like in just the most evil way oh it's hurt but that's also i mean obviously you know there are that's that's what happens too if when you know we could talk about like a beauty product that makes 12 products you know for the zodiac signs but then there's also like Oil companies could do that too. You know, like it doesn't just end with beauty products. Yeah. It's like you can have this Australian government. I, I mean, I also could be fact checked here and it could have been a hoax. I don't know. But as, <laughs> in these times. Yeah. Why you but really as know. as an idea, the fact that that could even be something that is real is a real thing, you mm -hmm. know, and that's really scary mm. because it's like you, astrology to weaponize hatred I would, I mean, I would not be surprised if in Trump's rhetoric, like, you know, his strategists do something with astrology and... It's probably uh, happening yeah. already. It's probably out there somewhere. I, absolutely. So th I guess that's also part of the creating the monster of it all, you yeah. know, is like every, people are receiving this language more than ever, but it makes it much more susceptible to being, you know, injected with the poison of of hatred and greed yeah um yeah which ultimately i mean i guess the things that i'm really interested in talking about and reminding people of with what the content that i put out now is this idea of like just kind of emotional energetic self-sovereignty and really using your practices whatever they may be to remind yourself who you are and to remind yourself that you can say no to the information that you consume and to really tap, help people stay tapped into what feels like their integrity and feels like their truth, you know? And it, again, using social media for that feels sort of strange. So I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that there are going to be more ways to communicate on a mass scale that kind of evolve out of where we're at currently. How do you use social media now? Um, very minimally. I, I'm not really on Facebook. I deleted my Twitter account recently because I haven't used it for years. Um, 
I have a, a Sober Curious book group on Facebook, but it's kind of, I just go in and approve members occasionally and people propagate it with events and all sorts of things like that. Um, and Instagram, I'm kind of there every day. I post, try and post something a few times a week. I use it mainly for DMs and to connect with people Like we connected through mm-hmm. DMs on Instagram, which is great. I think that's great. It's a great research tool to be able to find people. But yeah, I'm, I use it very, very minimally. I delete the app off my phone every night. I delete it off my phone all weekend. I'm I'm very conscious around my usage of it. If I have something that I want to say, like I put something on today about, I had made this link. It was actually what listening to Kaipacha's Pele report this week. Do you, do you listen to him? Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. New Paradigm Astrology. He's like one of the old old dudes, right? He's probably oh. in his 60s now, but he's a total hippie and he does this video report. It's quite kind of iconic and he travels all the way around the world doing these workshops and he does these like crazy hippie, hey dude, like videos every week. They're kind of hilarious, but he goes really deep. He's deep into the mythology of astrology and it's quite fascinating just the way he talks. Anyway, he was talking about coronavirus and how you know, in Chinese astrology and Chinese um, medicine, the lungs are associated with grief and just what this virus is reflecting to us about the grieving that the earth is going through currently. It made me cry probably even thinking about it. But then I started thinking about how the whole of last year we were freaking out because the Amazon was on fire. The lungs of the earth were on fire, right? On fire because largely of the deforestation due to animal agriculture. And I started then thinking about how this coronavirus was born out of, you know, all these coronaviruses, SARS, MERS, they all come out of animal meat markets. They come out of eating anim- humans eating diseased animal flesh. They're animal diseases, ultimately. Um, I interviewed this amazing, like, 70-year-old vegan for my podcast yesterday, so it was really on my mind. And I just thought there was such a karmic connection between the lungs of the earth being destroyed because of animal agriculture. And now we humans, our lungs are under attack from this disease that was caught as a result of eating diseased animals. And it just felt, so I put something on about that today and lost a bunch of followers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, dudes, I'm going to put stuff out that I care about. And if it's like once every couple of weeks, that's what I'm going to post. And I'm really consciously trying not to get sucked back into that, like, <gasps> got to post every day, got to post every day and just use it to as a platform for the things I want to say. And at the moment, I still don't have a ton to say. I still feel like I'm regrouping. I'm getting my words back, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I after a line closed and before I sort of, before this phase of my life where I'm working as a front-facing professional astrologer, I um, had quite a bit of time where I just didn't know what was going to happen, you know? And People, I did just move back to New York and people were saying like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know I'm going to have another business because I love to work for myself and I'm a horrible employee. So it's not, it w- wouldn't work any other way, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be in astrology. I don't, I just don't know. And it was so, I really, even with the Capricorn rising found the, I relished it in that moment because I knew it wasn't going to last long. I knew that there, it was a very brief moment in time when I was actually just going to like let the wind take me and I was going to have hobbies instead of just trying to like strategize about everything. And it was from that, that this moment was birthed and it was because I allowed myself 
to learn mm. um, without trying to figure out what I was going to do with it. Mm. I became an astrologer in the way that I am now completely organically from almost separately from what I was doing with Align when I just sort of stopped trying to make it happen and I just started studying and working with my teachers and my mentors and gradually like you know people started to ask me to do a workshop here or something there and it just evolved but it evolved from a true my my heart you know and my curiosity and I feel like with so many moving parts now it's easy to sort of feel to get disconnected from mm. you know and I, I I think you're right also about you know thinking about everything I, I feel so much on I feel so much pain you know, not just for what I've experienced but I feel the pain of of this presidency and the virus and I feel everybody's fear and paranoia and it's like it's just it's so hard to just connect with ourselves because there's so much stimuli mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it's like that is going to be the answer mm -hmm. to everything is like coming back into self even though it becomes harder and harder and harder to do my social media strategy is I basically go on I do what I need to do and then I leave I have muted any account that makes me feel any any way I don't uh, I, I find to be a little bit problematic or very problematic. I mute like instantly. Um, and that has also been I can't believe how much that has improved my mental health um, to not have just that tinge of jealousy or that like little bit of like, how did they get that? You know, because it's normal. Mm. But if we expose ourselves to it constantly, it's going to be it's going to take on a life of its own. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what Jerome Lanier really talks about in his book. Like when we're constantly, constantly on a daily basis, getting those little hits of like, little hits to our self-esteem, ultimately, it does, yes. it completely changes the way that we think. It changes the things that we want and it changes our motivation. And it's just, it's, it's he, he thinks social media is mass behavior modification. Like talk about propaganda, like it really is. It's changing the way that we are as humans, which is pretty damn scary. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I, I did the same when I came, I took, I think I took three full months off from posting anything on the Numinous or even logging onto the, the Instagram. When I did decide to come back on, I unfollowed everybody. I now follow, I, I follow like 25 people on there now. Yeah. I didn't know about mute. So I just pissed everyone off and unfollowed <laughs> them instead. <laughs> yeah, the mute is, I think that it is the most responsible thing to come out of Facebook. So, as far as I can see, because yeah. it's, um, it's it really you know make your astrology is just consciousness, and consciousness is the world that we see, right? Mm. And if we're seeing the world through, uh, this aspirational slash jealousy slash hate following, like this person makes me so mad. Like, what did they post today? Like, it's just not. Good. It's really like, not it's, good. It's no, we don't want to chase that energy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I yes. think it, more people, it would be great if more of us could really talk openly about it. And I think once we can, and this is what happened with Sober Curious, it was like such an internal, weird, private thing. And similar with the Numinous, actually. And as soon as I started really talking about it to people, all these new solutions and new ways forward started developing and new conversations started happening because. 
that's what happens when we communicate like we come up with new solutions and new ideas and so yeah I'm I'm intrigued I do think that the social media bubble is kind of bursting um but it'll be I don't know what comes next yeah I don't either (laughs) I I I think smaller you know Mm. I think people are going to try to find safer spaces Mm. yeah Um, I agree which is I think why retreats and communities like the Constellation Club and you know like these sort of safe havens are really important yeah agreed so we can't find you on social media uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding I mean I'm there occasionally (laughs) and I do respond to all my dms because I don't like I'm not I'm not deluged with them so I do (laughs) and I, I mean I do have a newsletter you can buy my books you know and yeah what a refreshing thing it's like just (laughs) check out a book (laughs) read a book (laughs) and I do I have a podcast for sober curious which again that that person on my newsletter who who unsubscribed obviously hadn't listened to it because as much as the subject the overarching subject is our how we relate to different how we relate to substances and what it means to be a a a non like to live in a non-altered state although the last one was on microdosing so (laughs) um I kind of it's it covers out all the things that I'm interested in. I bring on a really varied um, range of guests to talk about, yeah, what it means to be conscious, basically, <laughs> you know, very important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been so lovely. Thanks for having me. It's been great meeting you. Yay.